Welcome to episode 39 of the Champs and Chums podcast. I'm Anthony. And I'm Ashton. Father-son fun talk about sports, life, and friendship. Coming up on episode 39, an episode to honor and remember forever. We'll go one-on-one and best of with a veteran of the Canadian military, C.D. Fernand Typher. Father-son fun talk will enlist a select list of best of performers. We'll go gold, gold, gold for athletes who served in the military. And we'll head for home on episode 39 with our special segments. All Pro Go, a Did You Know Sports Spotlight. And Champs and Chums, personal salutes to our stars on and off the field. That's all coming up on episode 39 of the Champs and Chums podcast. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Champs and Chums. Happy November, everybody. We hope you're doing well. It's Anthony and Ashton in the broadcast chair. Welcome to Father-Son Fun Talk here in November. It's Champs and Chums. So glad that you're with us. And it's now my great privilege. It is my pleasure that I now have the power to introduce my forever chum, Ashton. Ashton, how you doing, my man? I'm doing good, and I can't wait to get this episode started. Well, that's the energy and that's the spirit. But fans, just right off the top, wanted just to declare and uh, maybe uh, good old uh, my good old co-host will share that, uh, you know, you've been fighting a little bit of a bug. Well, you've been fighting a lot of bit of a bug, right, for the last month. Uh, um, so uh, how are you feeling right now? You're behind the mic. Um, how, how are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling good and uh, I might cough a little bit and my voice is a little off today uh and i i think we'll do good though well listen man thanks so much for uh you know november is a is a month certainly to remember a lot of people um who have proudly served this country and the words that come to mind when we think about those most valuable players is courage determination and it's only fitting here in this special remembrance day month this episode 39 that uh, despite, I, I know you're probably not feeling 100%, but just like um, those great men and women who serve that, those, the country, just like those great athletes who perform in sport, you may not be 100%, but here you are behind the mic to bring it. So I uh, really appreciate uh, that you're here and uh, let's get the show on the road here. What do you say, Ashton? Yeah, let's do it. All right, good stuff, everybody. Well, listen, um, it's been a, uh, uh, a busy busy November. It's hard to believe, Ashton, at the time of this recording, at the time of the release in this show, that the month, the final month in the calendar is uh, is upon us. But uh, it's been a pretty active uh, November for your champs and chums. A lot of fun things going on in sports, life, and friendship. And I guess just to kind of bring it closer to home, Ashton, there's been a lot of fun things that we've been participating here out in the community of Brampton. Um, one of the things that we 
we we we we basically like like the young kids say uh it got lit it got lit one night here in brampton ashton uh why don't you tell the fans the wonderful community event that we went to so uh me and my dad so we went to uh downtown brampton and we went to see the tree lighting which was really really fun they had uh food they had uh like people singing and they had um i guess a petting zoo you can say and um remember we waited 50 minutes for that beaver tail yeah <laughs> well well i certainly remember that because that was a bit of a frigid night uh, all around the gta but yeah what ashton was referring to on such a great night out in community at the uh they call it uh brampton Winterfest now the Brampton Winterfest, where um, there was... Um, Ashton, how many lights dawned that close to, I believe it would have been over a 100-foot Christmas tree at, at down at City Hall? Well, on the uh, Brampton website, they say that there is 10,000 lights on that tree. Did you count it to verify, my man? I did not count it, but... I know Patrick Brown did. Patrick Brown might very well have not have just counted it. He could have been helping the great staff um, uh, around the lights, curate the tree, and have it ready to go. Yeah, it was great to see Mayor Brown there. We had a chance to say a few words and exchange some hellos and best of the holiday seasons with our our great mayor of the city. Uh, But yeah, coming back, Ashton, to your story about the beaver tail. So everyone, just to set the scene here. Uh, out in the wonderful uh, uh, streetscapes of Brampton and downtown, um, it was certainly felt like a carnival-like atmosphere, a festival-like atmosphere. Um, down in the, I, I guess I would call it the center core of City Hall, there's the tree, which uh, kind of became the, the, the focal point, if you will, uh, when we did the countdown. But in and around City Hall, and you, as, you, as you strolled your way, south on main street to the wonderful gauge park you would see things like ferris wheels food trucks ashton you re- re- referenced a, a petting zoo and uh man of all the the wonderful people that live in the city of brampton i didn't know that a camel was a resident of the city of brampton i never knew either well, it was really fun to see uh, Alice the camel and uh, all of the great. Um, there was there was sheep there. There was uh, uh, was it was it a uh, alpa- alpaca? Was it? It was like llamas. Llamas, sorry, llamas. Anyway, so let's get to the story, everybody, with the beaver tail. So Ashton uh, tugs my uh, my uh, my warm winter jacket, and he says, "Dad, I think it's time that we." Uh, we ha- do a Canadian tradition and have a beaver tail since we're out and about in the community. And I said, sure, we can do that. So uh, Ashton, we, we stood in line. Uh, we looked at the uh, the food truck that was, yeah, we were probably about uh, 25 people deep. So we didn't think it'd take too long, everybody. But Ashton, 50 minutes passed and we did not receive, we didn't even get a chance to order. No, we didn't. Were, it it were, took forever. Were you thinking of backing out? I wasn't. I was going to wait. Well, just because you were committed, I, st- I maintained and stayed committed to it too. We got the beaver tail, everybody, but it was a chilly night out there, but it was fun. And uh, so that was that. And uh, 
it truly became an extravaganza that weekend, everybody, because not only that Friday night was it Friday night lights down at the city of Brampton, but um, Ashton, uh, love for you to uh, to tell the fans uh, a little bit more about Saturday's festivity. So if that, you know, as Vladdy Guerrero used to say, um, what was his famous comment before the start of the season, Ashton? Oh, uh, last year was a trailer, but this year you're going to see the movie. Well, I mean, and you know, kind of the, the jury's out on what kind of movie we saw there. It might have been a little bit of a horror as we all remember the wild card game number two, where they blew the eight-run lead against the Seattle Mariners. But I digress. Um, so if if the trailer was the, was the Winter Fest where they had the tree lighting, Ashton, the real movie was the Santa Claus Parade. Why do you tell the fans a bit about um, some of the the neat, new, and wonderful things you experienced on the streets of Brampton? Well, um. I mean, the Santa Claus Parade was amazing. There were so many lights, so many people. And um, I think I had a great experience there. I mean, like, nothing can beat that. You know, and it's so true, Ashton. And, and I mean, the Santa Claus Parade in Brampton, everybody, is, is extremely unique. Um, it's, uh, it's nighttime. It is one of only, I believe, two nighttime parades in all of Canada and uh, you know it's just so beautiful as Ashton you mentioned with sort of the lights uh, uh, it was great to see the parade come back after being absent for three years so it was just great to be able to um, to enjoy that you had a chance to enjoy that was I guess one of your longest of longtime chumps so you want to shout out to anybody uh, in particular yeah shout out to Jordan my Really, really long time chum. Uh, and we've been friends since we've been in diapers. I can't even remember. Well, since you've been in diapers. Yeah, shout out to a great friend of the show. I know she listens. I know she watches some of the stuff, especially on that YouTube, she tells me. So shout out to our great chum, Jordan, uh, for joining you uh, in tow as you enjoyed uh, some of the wonderful things here at the Santa Claus Parade. And uh you know, Ashton, uh, uh, the jolly old man himself has been on Champs and Chums how many times? Uh, two times. So not once, everybody, when we had our debut season at Champs and Chums. Not twice, everybody. Or, well, yes, twice, everybody. I don't know, Ashton. I, You know, as we look towards um, uh, our, our milestone 40th episode next month, it might be only called a Christmas miracle if the jolly old man could make it a holiday hat trick. What do you think the odds are I think that the jolly old man, Santa Claus, what are the odds right now, the early odds coming out of Vegas, that Santa Claus will join us for the milestone show on Champs and Chumps? I think he'll join. I mean, I have a... Uh... 99% chance he will join. 99. You heard it here first, everybody. This is just some early predictions, early forecasts, as it were, everybody. But anyhow, more to come on that as we go. Um, but listen, uh, Ashton, let's shift gears here. Let's get talking about sports. Because again, the month of November has been absolutely enormous for the many exciting extravaganzas in the world of sports cross sports and 
we actually uh, stood witness in the cold, Ashton, uh, to a wonderful event that became truly championship uh, just a little bit earlier at the, uh, uh, in the month. Yeah, the CFL East final. We went in Toronto, and um, it was really cold. It was like minus two. Uh, we went. The Argos had a great game against the Alouettes. They beat them. And that's how they moved on to play Winnipeg, who was looking for a three-peat, but the Argos shut them down and they won the Grey Cup. Well, yeah, and then there you go, tic-tac-toe. The Argos win their uh, was 18th. It the 18th. You got it, man. 18th Lord Grey Cup. Uh, lots of tradition. And you know, Ashton, I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was a, a decisive victory. I mean, I think it was decisive in our feeling that we'd win i know we shared uh, our predictions before the great cup for the fans and we did uh, go all in on the argos and the good ship argonaut did win but it was a close game why don't you describe for some of the listeners the last five minutes of that game seemed to be back and forth like a like a tennis match oh yeah uh it was really scary uh, i mean Winnipeg had some great defensive plays on us. We had some good defensive pl- plays on Winnipeg as well. And um, I I just felt, like, really, really scared because, you know, in the last, like, not five, but maybe, like, two, two and a half uh, minutes, uh, they were up by only one point. And uh, that was scary. For any CFL fan whose team is up by one point in the Grey Cup and the other team, or no, not the other team, the Argos had possession, but the other team has won two Grey Cups previously, it's really, really scary. But uh, the Argos managed to pull through and... Their uh, defense uh, uh, did just put the nail in the coffin for that game. Defense, and let's not forget, right? I mean, uh, the the ball the ball changed hands literally, as you remember, McLeod Bethel Thompson was had a nurse that was nursing an injury, had to unfortunately go on the sidelines, and all of a sudden, the backup, a man that hasn't played much um, uh, football this season, has no playoff pedigree comes into the lineup. That's right, everybody. Chad Kelly comes in and was lights out. I mean, his mobility is certainly a lot stronger than McLeod Bethel Thompson. Uh, you know, things like a, like a fast rush from, from the end uh, by those great Winnipeg, uh, that great Winnipeg D. He was able to elude uh, and m- march the Argos down the field and was able to, as Ashton say, um, you know, inch their way to a victory. I mean, it couldn't have been any closer. And, uh, and what about the story of Henock Muwamba, a 10-year oh, yeah. CFL player? He, he played in the NFL with the Indianapolis Colts, has never won a Grey Cup, Ashton. On the night of the Grey Cup, he not only shared in the glory of being a Grey Cup champion, he was also named the most valuable player for the game. And get this, it gets better than that. He was the most outstanding Canadian. Shout out to Henock Mwamba. What a performance that was. 
yeah, he had a great performance that game. I mean, he could he couldn't have done any better. I mean, the Argonauts, I really think they deserve that because they have worked so hard every single year and just to win another great cup they haven't won since 2017 so that would have been five years ago so they've been fighting for five years and still haven't managed to get a great cup they got a great cup yeah, and you know, so shout out. And I mean, I, I remember Henock uh, when he was interviewed, uh, the big stage, he won all those uh, awards and the biggest team award, of course, the Grey Cup. You know what his first words were? He had tears in his eyes when he said, I always wanted to be great and I've worked very hard to do that. And he was so blessed to have wonderful people around him. You take that, those statements on live television after you've won a big championship and been such a big star performer on it, that is a championship kind of a moment. That's the stuff we celebrate here on Champs and Chums. So, yeah, your double A's, big ups for the double blue. Um, what a great season they had. Uh, we went to a couple games, including the Eastern Final, which helped them punch their ticket into the, uh, the uh, Grey Cup, and there you go. They won it all. Uh, Ashton, um, we can't forget... And it, we would be remiss because one of the biggest sports your dad played uh, when he was growing up was the game of footy, as they call it, soccer. It is the biggest, probably the biggest tournament in the history of sports. I mean, the, the Olympics, uh, you know, uh, well, you know, there's the Olympics is, is certainly on the amateur side. But when you think about one of the biggest extra, extravaganzas, probably one of the most world's biggest watched events it is the world cup of soccer going on right now here in the month of november 29 days of country versus country looking for the best in soccer supremacy and uh i ashton i'd be remiss at the time of this recording everybody um canada has played one game and what a performance they they put in ashton what are your thoughts on on the big the big first match in the uh, in the world in the group stage for Canada. Well, I didn't get to see the match because I was at school, uh, but everyone said that most of the time Canada was like had like they were putting pressure on Belgium. Just they were they were doing really well. I mean. Like, the last time they were in a World Cup, that was really long ago. 86, everybody. Your dad, Ashton, was 13 years old. I remember watching some of it on a tube television. I was 13. And they never scored a goal. They never scored a goal. And um, i tell you something, fans. And those, uh, you know, um, long and, uh, and uh, big-time observers of Canadian soccer will um, appreciate the style of play. I was just blown away at how much, um, uh, the, how Canada pushed the play to the number two ranked country in the world for soccer. They dominated the first half. And if it wasn't for that, um, uh, you know, it was, it, it was, it was a good, uh, it was a good push up the, up the, to the outside the 18 yard box and a wonderful strike over the head of the keeper, uh, for Canada. But the way that Canada dominated and pushed play like that, I've never seen a Canadian side do that. In 86, 
you know, you'd play a very heavily defensively minded game, look for your odd chance. Um, but Canada push play. And that's, that's the whole recipe of John Herdman's success. And what a leader is John Herdman, everybody. I mean, I think anybody that hear that man speak, the ambition, the courage, the belief that he has, it, it is infiltrated into the culture of their performance. It's been amazing to see that. And, you know, I mean, Ash, I don't know about you, but anytime I hear John Herdman speak, I, I listen. And it's like, you know, I think the whole country's behind him and this team. At the time of this recording... They still have a big chance to move on to the knockout stage in the World Cup. They will have to win the next game against Croatia, Ashton. What are your thoughts at the time of this recording? Can the Canadians beat Croatia? I think they could beat Croatia. As you said, Croatia has, a good, has good defense. And um, I think Canada can do the same thing that they did with Belgium, which was you know, like, just put pressure on defense. And I think they could do, if if they could do that versus Croatia, I think they could win. Honestly, I, I think the final score could be one to nothing or two to one. You know, Canada. The, the, yeah, well, I, I, I'm hoping that too. I think a nation of Canadian soccer fans who have been so hungry to see this team get back on this kind of a global stage, it feels amazing, everybody. Uh, for those who have watched Canadian soccer, uh, who have played the game here at this level, who have uh, seen some people grow. And you know what? I'd be remiss, Ashton, if we didn't shout out to our, our uh, champs and chums, our very special guest from episode 18, Alex Bunbury, Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer. What a wonderful inspiring man he is he he uh he served canada uh, being a, a great member of team canada and of course um canadian international uh tommy kuzmanis uh who was on episode 23 tommy also starred for canada he is the only canadian to score two goals in their team canada debut so those are two men that have represented the Canadian flag, pulled on the jersey, played on the big stages like this, Ashton. We were very fortunate to have him on the show. Shout out to those great, great, great men. I know that they are um, basically on the edge of their seat because they they have pulled on the jersey. Uh, what would you like to say to Alex and uh, and Tommy, uh, who who be listening to the show? Well, uh, I want to thank you guys for coming on. And uh, the effort you put into soccer and uh, and the hard work and how you played for uh, Team Canada was just outstanding. You know, that's such great words, Ashton. So if you, if you get a chance, fans, dial back to episode 18, Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer, former international, starred in Portugal. In fact, Ashton, we all know that Cristiano Ronaldo's favorite player when he was growing up as a young kid, was Alex Bunbury, who played, who starred for Maritimo in, in, in Portugal. So that's episode 18. Tommy Kuzmanis, former Canadian international, a star. I had the opportunity to share a field with Tommy when I was playing um, uh, back in the old days of Scarborough, and we knew, we totally knew this man was going to uh, do some big things, and that he did. The only Canadian uh, player. He's, in fact, he scored four goals total four goals in his first two games representing the country shout out to tommy that's episode 23 great to have those guys on the program 
Uh, and Ashton, before we leave this, and you know, it's the passion that you feel about the sport and Canadian soccer that your your dad certainly feels it. I I lived it for so long, playing the game at a pretty decent level. Um, is it is amazing to know that on the roster of of Canada's men's international Canada men's national soccer team, seven Bramptonians are on the team. How do you feel about that? Well, I feel like uh, Brampton is really special. I mean, seven players from uh, Team Canada on um, the, uh, uh, well, seven Bramptonians on Team Canada. That is really impressive. I mean, uh, I know Bramptonians, they all work really, really hard. And um, I'm sure these seven players worked extra hard in in their uh, soccer uh, paths. Well, it's a hotbed for sure, right, Ashton? I mean, it's, it's such a, a culturally diverse city. Um, I think the facilities here in Brampton that w- would so, sort of support growth and development. I mean, we only need to, to think of that, but that beautiful facility right down the down the street here, from where we are at the at the Brampton Soccer uh, Center. Um, that's a great training ground. It's a multi-sport uh, facility. They they developed and they invested in that huge dome, which allows um, players in the community to play indoors, hone their skills when they obviously can't play outside. But I can't tell you, everybody. I mean, whether it be in the summer or uh, in the spring or um, maybe even into the fall, tons of soccer fields here in the city of Brampton are full of kids playing that great sport or even just watching them Ashton hone their skills to try to get better and having the inspiration of seven Canadian seven Bramptonians that are representing Canada is the kind of fire that you know you want to see and you want to hear about and it's what young people like you I hope look up to and say it is possible if you just believe in it so you know what um like the motto says for Team Canada's uh, marketing uh, campaign, yes, we can. Good stuff. All right, Ashton. Uh, before we leave this, you know what? We got to share. We always talk about the Raptors 905. The season has, uh, has just started. At the time of this recording, it was a great start for our Raptors 905. They've, they've fallen on a little bit of hard times. Yeah. The last, last go, but... Um, they're now, I believe, in even four and four after starting the season at a sparkling four and one. Uh, what do you think about the play of the Raptors nine oh five? Who do you like to to look at? Uh, who should the fans watch if they're coming down to the Paramount Fine Food Center? Well, uh, players you should watch: uh, Reggie Perry. He's uh, got a uh, good uh, future uh, for him. Uh, he could... And you went to the game where he had the buzzer beater. Yeah, I, I went to that Describe game. Describe for the fans, you're in your seats. There is no time left on the clock, Ashton. How are you feeling when you see that man arc up on that shot? Oh, well, that shot was amazing. Everyone jumped up in that building. It was so electric. That's amazing. Well, you know, Reggie Perry, uh, they've got some really good players. Unfortunately, fans, at the time of this recording... The big club, the Raptors, the NBA Toronto Raptors, the 2019 champion Toronto Raptors are in a 
heck of a challenge right now with injuries or sickness. And so what that's meant is that the development uh, side of Raptors 905, which is basically the feeder system or the minor league team, minor pro team to the Raptors, a lot of the players who've starred for the 905 that have kind of, you know, fully saddled their way into full-time positions have had to move up. So guys like Ron Harper Jr., Ashton, um, I'm thinking of Jeff Doughton Jr. as well, too, has gone up there, Justin Champagny. Uh, who's actually been nursing a little bit of a back injury, if I remember as well, too. Um, but, you know, hey, listen, next man up, right? That's kind of how it works in sports. Uh, one one guy goes down, it means another opportunity for somebody else. So uh, a shout-out to Coach Corey and the rest of the rest of the group at uh, the Raptors 905. Great entertainment. If you get a chance to check it out, it is probably one of the best value uh, uh, tickets in town and uh, hope to see you out at a game. Come by and say hi to your champs and chumps. Okay, good stuff. Uh, and Ashton, uh, November, of course, with all of those wonderful things that we we summarized and we highlighted for the fans in mind, November is truly a time to remember. It's Remembrance Day this month. And, uh, well, actually, let me, let me take this opportunity to ask you uh, how you took in Remembrance Day? Well, uh, we had an assembly at my school, and um, uh, it was a moment of silence, and uh, every class made wreaths, I think, and they dropped them uh, at the uh, grave that they made, and uh, it was a really nice assembly, and uh, you get the true appreciation for uh, Remembrance Day and the Canadian men and women who serve this country. Serve this country so, so, so well with, uh, with valor, strength, courage, determination, honor, and pride. And uh, it's with that, Ashton, it's a perfect segue to talk about our special guest, our best of guest for this month. And um, before we do that, you know, we wanted to reflect on some wonderful uh, guests who've joined us on the show previously, Ashton, right? Um, November of, 20, um, of 2020, we had uh, MS Dan Bard, uh, Master Sailor Dan Bard, who joined us, uh, currently serves in the Canadian Armed Forces. In November 2021, we also had another member, uh, Warrant Officer Glenn Shepard, who currently serves for this country, joined us on the show. Ashton, we've uh, have the honor of ha having a hat trick. Um, but why don't you tell the guests who will be our best of guests to join us for uh, for this episode? Our best of guest is a veteran of the Canadian military, C. D. Fernand Typher. What an amazing honor and a privilege it is for Ashton and I to have the chance to speak to a veteran, someone that has served this country for over 25 years. He toured Canada and he, uh, he has served, uh, served around the world, Ashton, in high security missions and um, in, in all in terms of uh, peacekeeping and, uh, and uh, protecting um, the rights and freedoms of, of many, many, many civilians. So that is C.D., Fernand Typher and everybody we say CD because that is a very special distinction that is given to him the Canadian Forces decoration that is only given to so few 
We're very, very uh, grateful to have C.D. Fernand Teifer join us on the show. You don't want to miss it. It's a great interview with lots of insights and tremendous inspiration. Good stuff. Uh, Well, Ashton, uh, it's now time for our father-son free-for-all segment, and we wanted to continue, everybody, this wonderful tribute this month to honoring the great men and women who um, protect uh, the freedoms to protect people, uh, not only in Canada, but right around the world. So Ashton, as we've done every November since the start of Champs and Chums, I thought it'd be really neat for us to share with the listeners, not gold, silver, bronze. All of these people deserve gold, 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 because we're going to honor everybody, athletes who have also served in the military. So Ashton, take it away for your first gold medal. My first gold medal is Turk Broda. Turk Broda? You mean the the Toronto Maple Leaf uh, Turk Broda? Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Why don't you tell the fans a little bit more about Turk Broda? So Turk Broda was a goalie for the Maple Leafs, and um, he caught left, and his playing career was from 1935 to 1943. And 1946 to 1951, uh, he was acquired by the Toronto Maple Leafs for seven thousand five hundred dollars. Now, Ashton, let's take let so let's thanks. That's great, son. I mean, so Turk Broda, let's make the connection here, because you mentioned there was a bit of gap in terms of his NHL playing career, and that happened, everybody, because he had to take a brief hiatus from 1943. To 46 because one Turk Broda, he actually fought in the Second World War. Yes, he did. So there you go. Turk Broda, he was the first goaltender to reach 300 wins, served in the military. Um, you know, uh, w- what a career he had representing the, uh, uh, the, the Maple Leafs. Uh, he was instrumental, everybody, in, his, in Stanley Cup victories for the Maple Leafs. 46-47, season 47-48, 48-49, and 50-51. He retired at the age of 38, and there he is, um, our Ashton's first gold medal for athletes who served in the military, Turk Broda. Good stuff. Well, now it's time for Dad's uh, first gold medal on athletes who served in the military. And Ashton, I'm going to follow the blue and white path that you just created. So I'm going to select my um, first athlete who served in the military as Sil Apps. That's right, everybody. Uh, Sil Apps was multi-talented. Not only did he play for the Toronto Maple Leafs from 1936 to 1948, did you know, Ashton, that um, Sil Apps was an Olympic pole vaulter? He was also a member of Parliament for the Conservative Party. Uh, named one of uh, among the top 100 players in NHL history, that is um, that is Silaps, and uh, in the prime of his career, he also was enlisted to fight uh, in the World War II uh, at the end of the 1943 season. So again, uh, he served uh, two years until the war was over, and uh, as the story goes, Ashton. He, as I said, he, he served two years until the war was over. 
He then went on to return as captain to the Leafs, winning two more Stanley Cups in 1947 and 48. What a story that was. Yeah, that's an amazing story. Great stuff. So there is uh, our first set of gold medals. Ashton, over to you for your second gold medal. My second gold medal is Whitney Conner. Whitney Conner. You mean the um uh, uh the the Olympic rest the Pan Am American game the Pan Am uh, wrestler and Whitney Conner. Yes. Well, tell the fans a little bit more about Whitney Conner. So Whitney Conner is a professional uh, wrestler. Well, let's say I'm amateur. Amateur yeah, wrestler. Yeah, amateur. We wouldn't want to think that she was in the WWE, although she probably was talented enough to get there. Uh, so, uh, her part of the military, in September 2012, she joined the U.S. Army as a part of the world-class athlete program and serves with the military police. So, let's get this straight. The talented Whitney Condor, who was, uh... Not only a five-time national champion as an amateur wrestler, she served in the U.S. Army's in, 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 as a military police officer? Yes, she did. That's amazing. Great stuff. Well, that's Ashton's second bronze medal for athletes who also served in the military. Uh, that's Whitney Condor. Ashton, I'm going to keep that wonderful spotlight on um, females that have served, uh, and I'm going to bring it closer to home. Because my second gold medal for athletes who've served in the military is A.B., Abel Seaman, Yvette Young of the Royal Canadian Navy. What do you think about that? Well, Dad, that's an amazing pick. She is, uh, that is an amazing pick, and she is one amazing woman. So as I mentioned, everybody, A.B., Yvette Young who is employed and serves the country uh, in the Royal Canadian Navy, received a tremendous amount of distinction. Ashton, she was named the International Military Female Athlete of the Year. What do you think about that? Well, Dad, that's an outstanding highlight to have. Well, it sure is. And and this is, uh, she was uh, awarded this by the... Um, uh, the Council of International Sport, and, and they're affiliated, Ashton, with the International Olympic Committee. So this is no small feat um, for, um, for um, Yvette Young. Yvette Young, everybody, a rising star in the world of military sports and martial arts. She brought home for Canada, Ashton, in 2018. She won the championships in Taekwondo. Well, that's amazing. So not only accomplished, you better be careful around uh, about around y- Yvette, that's for sure. So um, talented uh, and uh, honorable in, in all forms. There's my second gold medal. Again, it's um, A.B. Yvette Young. Ashton, over to you for your, th- your third gold medal. My third gold medal is David Robinson. Now, Ashton, this one actually rings a bell for me in terms of the military because I believe his nickname, not only was he a sensational NBA player, but I believe David Robinson's nickname was the Admiral. Why was that? It's because he joined the U.S. uh, Army. uh, U.S. Navy. U.S. Navy. And um, the reason why he joined the U.S. Navy is because... Uh, his father was in the U.S. Wow, Navy. now where did you come up with that gem? 
Well, I found it here on Wikipedia, and uh, it's a really, really nice uh, fact. Well, it's a beautiful fact for sure, and it's for, certainly for a father-son podcast about sports life and friendship. Didn't know that, but we've talked about uh, the admirable and his and his tremendous service to the U.S. Navy. What about his on-court service in the NBA? Why don't you tell the fans and remind them how great a player he was? Oh yeah, his oh look at his career and highlight awards, highlights and awards, two-time NBA champion, most valuable player, ten-time NBA All-Star, four-time All-NBA First Team, uh, two-time All-NBA Second Team, four-time All-NBA Third Team, NBA Defensive Player of the Year, four-time NBA All-Defensive First Team, four-time. Uh, NBA All-Defensive Second Team, five-time IBM Award, uh, NBA Sportsmanship Award. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. Yeah, it's My amazing. Goodness. You know, and he went to he went to the college. He went to Navy, right? The U.S. College Navy from '83 to '87. Seven feet one, Ashton, a, a big man with a big heart, big courage, big pride. He played on the dream team. As you might not remember this, but in '92 Olympics, there was an American U.S. basketball dream team with guys like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Scottie Pippen. I mean, it was just like it was just the best team ever assembled. David Robinson, the Admiral, was on that team. Good stuff. All right, Ashton, we're going to close this with a lots of honor because my third gold medal that I'm handing out is one inspiring man from the world of football. And sadly, he, um, he, uh, he was actually, um, he's no longer with us, um, but his inspiration, his memory, uh, was, it will definitely be remembered. Uh, that is the great football player from the NFL who also stir served in the United States Army, Pat Tillman Jr., that's right, everybody. Uh, Pat Pat Tillman was amazing football player, uh, and um, you know he 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 joined the Army Rangers and served in several combat tours before he was killed in the mountains of Afghanistan. So he was actually he sadly lost his life in combat. But um, the way this man and I heard some interviews over my life about how this man talked about the honor and the pride he took to wear the uniform. Not just, the, I'm, not, I'm not speaking about the uniform he wore in the NFL when he had um, uh, uh, tours of duty with uh, um, the Arizona Cardinals, who he played for three seasons. I'm talking the uniform of the United States of America and the pride he took being someone who would serve and protect the rights and freedoms of his country. Uh, I mean, Ashton, I know the fans can't see this, but look at, look at the, look at the, at the picture of this man. And what do you see? Tell the fans, what do you see? Well, I see, a, well, I see a uh, great football player, a great man who was always determined to do something when he had a task to do. And um, he looks just like an amazing man. I mean, he looks like he has done so much for the U.S. 
that resolve, that uh, that 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 grizzled look that he you could see that in this picture, everybody. If you had the uh, benefit of seeing this on video, but that's my shout out, which concludes a wonderful segment to tribute uh, some of the best of. That's gold, 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 and much, much more. These are athletes who served in the military. Great stuff, everybody. It's been a wonderful segment here on Champs and Chums, Father, Son, Free for All. Free for all. And we got more show to come. But before we do that, Ashton, you're going to take us to break. This ends our Father, Son, Free for All segment. More Father, Son, Fun Talk coming up. You're listening to the Champs and Chums podcast. Father-Son Fun Talk, you're listening to episode 39 of the Champs and Chums podcast. And Ashton, it's now time for a next edition of our Best of segment. And what an outstanding guest we have for our fans this month. Hey Ashton, I got two questions for you, my man. Are you ready to stand on guard for episode 39? Sure am. Are you ready to show true patriot love here on Champs and Chums? Of course. Well, our very special guest is gifted with heart and heroism in his service to Canada. He began his military experience as an army cadet with the 204 Algonquin Cadet Corps in North Bay, Ontario. In February of 1980, he joined the regular forces as a military policeman. He served for three years in Petawawa, working in various sections of the military police detachment. Peacekeeping, criminal investigations, and high security missions. These are some of the specialized disciplines our best of guest has starred in over 25 years of tremendous service to his country. His peacekeeping and security missions are wide and storied. Among his tours of duty across Canada and to the world, our best of guest was assigned in Europe to high-ranking dignitaries with threats on their lives. This includes members of the royal family, Countess Mountbatten and Lord Brayborn, then Prince Charles and Princess Anne. Distinguished awards and special achievements have decorated the career of our special guest, these include the Governor General Sovereign Medal, Governor of Canada Commendation, recipient of the Queen's Diamond Jubilee, and as a member of the United Nations Peacekeeping Forces, the Nobel Peace Prize in 1988. Our special guest is grateful for the love and support of community and family. He is a proud and active Executive Legion member in Barrie, Ontario. Ladies and gentlemen, we are pleased to be joined by C.D. Fernand Teifer, a veteran of the Canadian Armed Forces. Fern, welcome to Champs and Chums. Well, thank you for inviting me. Nice to be here. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. It is an absolute honor and privilege, Fern, to have you on the program here on Episode 39. Um, we can't tell you how excited we are. Uh, we've uh, built up quite a nice um, special connection and relationship with the armed forces over the course of uh, 
of three seasons of the show and uh, you being our first veteran on the program I, I can't tell you how special it is so it's just a real privilege to have you on uh, on champs and chumps well thank you very much i feel privileged for you to even uh, considering me having uh, having me on your broadcast well thank you very much oh well it's our pleasure and uh you know we we got into a, a tremendous resume of accomplishments um during your your years serving canada <clears throat> the country um, but I wonder if we can take you through the first uh, question here, uh, Fern. It's Dad here to the left of the microphone. Um, why don't you take the listeners through your early interests, your ambitions, your motivations to serve in, in the Army cadets, and then ultimately as you uh, continue to ascend your career uh, with the Canadian Armed Forces? Sure. Uh, actually, I can remember uh, watching uh, war movies on TV when I was a young child, five or six years old. I still remember that. And uh, I was really interested in that type of stuff. And uh, I said to myself, I want to be one of them. And that's one of the guys who live in a foxhole. I didn't know what they were called. They were called infantry, but at the time I was too young to know that. So that was my first interest. And uh, when I was 12 years of age in North Bay, Ontario, I found out that they had a cadets uh, league there and two of Pro Baltimore Cadet Corps. And I, I, I joined right away. And I absolutely loved it. Um, I love the discipline. I love the, the uniform. It was kind of cool. The camaraderie that we had, the teamwork that was involved, the, the, the training that we did, I, it, it suited me to a core. It's exactly what I wanted to do. And uh, when I was serving there, I said, you know what? I want to do more than this. So when I was old enough, when I reached 16 years of age, I joined the uh, local, what they call the militia, which is now called the reserve at the time, and the Algonquin Regiment. And I, I continued my career with the Locker Regiment, and I spent six years with the regiment. And I rose up to the rank of sergeant. And I, again, it was one of those things where I just absolutely loved it. And I rose through the ranks. And uh, it was an infantry uh, unit. I learned all about fighting wars and uh, how infantry battalions work. And, uh, you know, everything I saw on TV, I actually, I actually uh, lived in a foxhole or what you call a trench uh, for several nights. So that was part of our training. So I liked that so much that I said, you know what? This is my life. This is what I want to do. So I went, I actually, that time, they asked me to go in direct entry into the regular force. So in other words, I didn't have to go to boot camp because of all my previous training. And so um, I said yes. And they wanted me to join the infantry because that's my previous career in the reserves. And I said, no, I want to be a military policeman. And so... They sent me to Petawawa for my first posting. And when I got there, because of my field training in the infantry, they put me in a field unit. So there I learned how the regular force works in the military police uh, world when it comes to going to war, uh, prisoner of war camps, um, all sorts of stuff like that, and um, tactics and weapons and radio communications and uh, uh, using a, uh, a compass and a map. It was, it was fantastic. Again, I, I, I felt at home. The teamwork involved was incredible. And I made that my life. And uh, once I got into the regular force, I uh, was able to specialize in different things like we talked about earlier on with their um, um, VIP security and stuff. So I can talk about that a little later if you want. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, fascinating insights um, uh, for our listeners here, Fern. And I, I tell you, I, I, you know, you are a veteran of the forces, but I still hear uh, here in this special segment, I can hear that passion as you speak about the reasons why 
you decided to get into it and, and you mentioned it, it um it became a life choice so um which leads me to my my next question why don't you share for the listeners like what a day in the life would look like for 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 a mil- military officer as you began your preparations for for the course of a day well that would depend on what trade you're in like in the infantry you do infantry tactics you'll learn all about you know uh the war stuff the the, the, the front troops the, the foot soldier you do all that but in my case here I was a military policeman, so technically, I did whatever other police forces do. Uh, I'd report for work for my shift. We usually do 12-hour shifts, and uh, I'd patrol the base. I'd answer calls. I'd uh, whatever the, whatever was required of a military policeman that day during the shift. Um, that's what I did. And when I was in the field unit side of things, when I would learn how to, we were training for war. Even though it was peacetime, we trained for war. So that, that's what it's like as a, as a soldier. And I, again, um, absolutely loved it. And uh, when I first started uh, in, in that aspect, I had no, I was, I was not married. I had no kids like that. So the military was my family. So I just loved it. That's great. Uh, uh, Fern, I'm now going to turn over this best of segment to my chum, Ashton. That's got some questions for you. Ashton, take it away, my man. Fern. Can you share uh, with the fans some of your greatest personal highlights you have experienced while serving our country of Canada? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I would probably say the first thing would be my close protection, uh, what they call close protection bodyguard work in Europe. Um, I was actually on the very first team ever formed for Canada, believe it or not. And uh, that was 1983. And the message gone out looking for close protection operators and we had no idea what that was we had never heard of it before and so 79 you had to be a military policeman a 79 military policeman attended a pre-selection course at the cfb borden and after a week of pre-selection 14 of us got picked to go to england to train with uh part of the sas and part of the special force and part of the military police uh people up there and uh after 10 days or 10 weeks of rigorous training, and I'm telling you rigorous, mm. half of us made it, seven of us, seven of us uh, passed. The others were either, they were hurt or whatever the case may be, wow. or they weren't suitable. And so that, that was a, the beginning of a, a different career for me. And then uh, when we got to Canada, they were waiting for us at the airport with a message saying, you have two weeks to pack your bags, you're going to Europe. We have a guy you have to protect and his family, and uh, away you go. So within two weeks, I was back in Germany, and I was guarding a general uh, with uh, who's a major general. He was the um, commander, Ace Mobile Force Land, and his job basically was in, during the Cold War uh, to stop the Russian advance, and within the next 24 hours, wait for reinforcement. That was his job. My job was to protect him and his family because there had been a threat on his position. And his commander had been attacked the year before by a terrorist organization called the Red Army Faction in Germany. And so our job was to protect him. And when I wasn't protecting him, we would protect members who came over from the royal family, because you mentioned earlier, uh, we would protect them because they had threats on their lives as well. And then we had many other dignitaries uh, who came over to visit our general with threats on their lives, which always made our, our threat level uh, increase. Well, that, that was incredible. That was, that was, I really enjoyed doing that kind of work. The other would be probably my tour in the Middle East, in Egypt and Israel. I learned a lot as a young 19-year-old soldier. 
I, I spent my birthday there, Christmas, New Year, first time away from home. It was uh, it was an incredible experience, if you want to call it that. And being part of the United States Peacekeeping, that, that was kind of cool. Um, I would also say um, ground security in Ottawa. When I got posted to Ottawa from Germany, because of my experience, it put me in charge of a lot of security uh, issues there. Every single dignitary from across the world had to land up in the Air Force Base. And that meant security. And I was in charge of all that. I was put in charge of all security operations, major operations. And uh, that was a lot of work. And then the last part, I guess, would be as the aircraft security officer. I was also a qualified aircraft security officer, which meant I had to search the prime minister's aircraft and his back, backup aircraft before he had flew anytime if he went anywhere in Canada or, or abroad. So those were probably some of the, the biggest ones I can talk about right now. And for, uh, for and wow, those fascinating stuff. And I mean, just for the listeners to put this in perspective, uh, you celebrated your, your 20th birthday in Egypt as a member of the uh, United Nation Emergency Forces. I mean, wow, I, I don't remember what I was doing on my 20th birthday because that was a long time ago, but it was certainly not as, uh, as fascinating and uh, important as that. So, so well done. And um, I just wanted to uh, add, uh, because I know we were talking off air, you know, you've had just so, such a decorated career representing this country in the military, but the accolades continue because I'd love for you to share with the listeners some news that you received today. Actually, at the time of our recording, Fern, you must have just received it a, a, a several hours ago. Um, love for you to share uh, on Champs and Chums the, uh, the newest of accolades that, uh, that Fernand Typher will be receiving on, on behalf of uh, the, the, the country for your service. Well, on the 30th of November... Uh, there'll be, um, I guess, a Zoom, if you want to call it that. And I received in the mail today a plaque, a beautiful plaque from the Government of Canada, from the Veteran Ombudsman. And it says, uh, basically, for an exceptional contribution to the well-being of veterans and their families. And it's signed the uh, Veteran Ombudsman, uh, Nikita Jardine. Nishika Jardine, sorry. And... Um, I'm one of eight across Canada receiving that, so it's it's quite the um, quite quite the thing. Um, when when she, she called me to tell me I was receiving it, I was basically in shock because I had no idea. Wow. Um, I was put in members. You, you have to be uh, your name is submitted by several people, and I had uh, at least three people submit my name, and one of them being the member of parliament, our local member of parliament. So that was incredible. Well, thank you for sharing it to our listeners here on Champs and Chums. So, fans, there you go. You got some uh, breaking news of an, of an important honor and, and so distinguished and so well-deserved. So, uh, so, so well done, Fern. Thank you. Fern, what are some of the key skills needed to be an accomplished Canadian Armed Forces member? Oh, wow. Uh, good question. Um, discipline is one thing. You have to have discipline. Um you got to be prepared to work as a team member as well as individual. You have to be able to do both. Um, you have to be proficient in firearms, obviously, depending on the trade you're in. Every every member has to know how to use their firearms. Uh, be, because of my training, I became a weapons instructor, and I got very proficient with firearms. And my special, uh, like being a bodyguard and stuff, so you have to really know how to use a gun. Uh, your tactical procedures as a police officer, for me, in, in my case, tactical procedures um 
your use of force options. Uh, so there's a lot of little things, depending on what part of branch you belong to, it's just a little bit different. But teamwork and discipline is, and proficiency in weapons, that's everything. You're listening to episode 39 of the Champs and Chums podcast. This is our best of segment. We're joined by a Canadian military veteran, Fernand Typher. Um, and uh, Fern, uh, I, you just mentioned teamwork, but I, we talk a lot about on Champs and Chums the importance of mentorship. And I can, I can only scratch the surface when I think of your wonderful um, career achievements and your discipline, what kind of a role you played. And you just mentioned it actually when it comes to skills development and such. But I'm just wondering if you can share how important mentorship is and maybe give our listeners some examples where you actually, you know, were able to take some of the, uh, the, the younger troops under, under, their, under your wing and uh, really help show them the way. Uh, sure. Um, especially when you have a rookie police officer, for example, and I was a coach officer, then you have to try and instill him the proper way to do things. Um, you let him uh, do his thing, what he learned from, from his police academy, right? And, but then some things are not exactly how they should be. So you, you have to coach him along. And they're very nervous at the beginning, especially when you're going to approach a vehicle. Uh, to check somebody's driver's license or whatever case may be, there's a proper way to approach and you make sure uh, you watch what he's doing or she's doing. And at the end, you do a debrief and you tell them what they did right, what they did wrong, or what, if they did anything wrong at all. You don't know that. And uh, you just give them a lot of ideas of how to do things properly and using your own experiences, you give them examples of what you've done in the past of how to, how to approach or how to talk to someone. Um, you know, how, how to introduce yourself when you come up to the vehicle, tell them why you pick, why, why you stop the car and be very polite. But where do you stand? How do you stand? Stuff like that. And what do you look for inside the car when you approach the car? So these are things that as a police officer, I would do uh, in the military police role. Any police officer would do that. Any coach officer would do that. Um, when it comes to firing, uh, firing a weapon as a weapons instructor, the proper breathing, holding, um, and squeezing of the trigger, you know, uh, the, how much breath you let out, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. If you're doing, if you're doing skill shooting uh, with uh, pointing and shooting, how to, how to stand, where to stand, uh, like looking for cover, what's cover versus um, somewhere versus where you can have actually good protection and, you know, that type of thing. So you use a lot of your skills and you just pass that on to whoever is there. And it doesn't matter who it is. Um, whether he's one of your guys or not, uh, if you see something going on, you go talk to the guy and say, "Hey, try this next time." So that—that's what it was like. That—that—that's what I used to do anyway, and I—I I still do it today. Um, if I see somebody, I go in the archery range and I do some shooting, and I see someone doing it not the proper way, I'll go and show them. So that—that's what it's all about. That's amazing. Um, uh, Fern, here we are in the uh, month of November, uh, an opportunity for uh, Canadians from coast to coast to uh, honour and remember. I mean, those who uh, have served for the country. And um, I'm just wondering, this is the first opportunity here on Champs and Chums that we're speaking to a veteran, but you, you used the word camaraderie. Um, I'm wondering if you can share some stories or maybe some heartfelt moments where you have spent time with other veterans and, and describe for the, you know, for the listeners, what's that like? I mean, I can only imagine, um, the sense of 
pride in conversations, emotions, uh, reflection, sadness, joy. But I mean, you'd be more than more than um, um, recognized to be able to speak to it. And, and I would love for you to share that uh, perspective with um, with the listeners here on Champs and Chumps. Okay. Um, well, my, I have to tell you, my favorite day of the year uh, to be able to do stuff like that is Remembrance Day. And um, as a veteran, service officer as well, I help a lot of veterans and I get to hear a lot of stories. As a matter of fact, last week I had lunch with a 100-year-old veteran a 100-year-old World War II veteran. And um, he's a very close, dear friend of mine. And we go to lunch probably every two weeks or so. And he's he's wonderful. He lives in the house by himself. He still drives his car. <laughs> Crazy. And uh, I also helped organize uh, uh, two other 100-year-old veterans' birthday parties that just came up this year. So I really, really love spending time with veterans, listening to the stories. Uh, good friends of mine who have now passed away uh, were prisoners of war in Hong Kong, for example. The story that he gave me was incredible. Um, this, this gentleman, Leo Berard, who wrote a book called 17 Days to Christmas, and uh, he was a prisoner of war in Hong Kong. So so you get to meet so many people uh, in, in when you were in the military, well, I, even even now when, I, when I'm in the at the Legion. And, and I'll tell you a short story. Way back when, in North Bay, when I was a veteran um, um, reservist, uh, on Remembrance Day, we went to the local Legion, and it was two older gentlemen there sitting there having a beer and I was in my uniform obviously and I went over and I introduced myself and I bought them each a beer and I find out they're both members of the Devil's Brigade and Devil's Brigade was a brigade that was formed uh, a long time in World War II and it was Americans and Canadians and it's a really good story if you see it on TV all the time so it was amazing to be able to talk to these two gentlemen the stories that they had so I really love talking to my veterans. Um, as a veteran service officer, I spend time. I have coffee with them. I visit their home at the retirement homes. I, I, that's what I love to do. It's just, it's just, just what I, I. I'm hoping that one day, if I get to be that old, that someone will do the same for me. Oh, that sounds amazing, and it is, it is, um, it will be a do for sure. Fern, can you talk about how important family has been to you throughout your military career? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a toughie. Um, how do I answer that one? When I first joined the military, I, I wasn't married, didn't have any kids. The military was my family. I just I just breathed the military. Day, and we did everything together. And eventually I got married and had two kids and uh, a boy and a girl. And uh, the problem was, is I was gone so often that I never really got a chance to see them grow up. And uh, so it just was pretty tough. I, I enjoyed having my family. Don't get me wrong; it was fantastic. Um, and I always, I always comment on families. You know what? When when the soldier goes off to wherever he's got to go, and then he leaves the family behind, the the mom or dad, whoever's laying behind, they take care of the family, and everything else needs to be taken care of, and take your worries off of you, so you can carry on with your, your mission at hand. You don't have to worry about back home. And when I was in the Middle East. Um, I had a girlfriend and I had my family, my mom and dad. So we were able to call. It's not like it was today where you pick up a phone and talk to somebody with a cell phone. No, no, not back then. Um, we had the shortwave radio and uh, every Tuesday night we would line up. Basically everybody on the base would line up and we had five minutes each, five minutes only to get on the radio with the, with the shortwave and call home. 
And uh, somewhere in the world, there was a shortwave operator who was listening in on a conversation because he had to switch and said, if you want to hear what the person's going to say back to you, he ha- you have to say over. He hits a switch, and then you get the reply, and then the other person says over, and then back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. They so had to watch what you said on the phone. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, that, that would be a, a tremendous exercise in love and language there. Thank you for describing <laughs> oh, absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's great, Fern. Um, so it's Dad over here. Uh, we've got a few more questions. This has been an outstanding segment already. Just a few more questions for you on this best yep. of segment. Um, you know, Fern, um, many Canadians who um, have not served uh, this month here in November, it's an opportunity to really sit back, reflect on how lucky we are um, to have people like you who have served this country with such um, pride, courage, honor. And the only word that we can think about when we describe people like you is to call you a hero. How does that make you feel, Fern, when people of all ages, young and old, take the opportunity, maybe in ceremonies that would have very well happened this month or in the past, that, that view you as a Canadian hero? Oh, it's a, it's a word that, uh, well, um, I, I go to schools and talk to a lot of kids uh, throughout the week of Remembrance Week, and uh, I've been called a hero a couple of times, and, and I do not consider myself a hero. I do not. I do, however, want to say that I have served with many of them. Incredible. Um, it, it's, it's nice that they think that of me, but I, I was just doing my job. Basically, it sounds like an old cliche, but it's not. Um, it's something I would do all over again because it's what my country wanted me to do. Um, I, when I left the military, you can take the, the, the soldier out of the army. You can't take the army out of the soul, out of the man because I'll always be a soldier the rest of my life. Like as long as I live, my heart will bleed. Soldier, it's who I am. Military, uh, I would do anything for my country. Now I'm getting too old. Uh, my country doesn't need me anymore, but uh, I still like to think that if they ever had to call me up, I'd, I'd be there in a flash. But so, no, I, I don't consider myself a hero, but uh, there are many, many, many people in the military who I do consider heroes. As a matter of fact, everybody else in uniform, I consider a hero. Wow, those are some beautiful words that you, you've shared and, and listening to you. Uh, and, and as our fans listen to it, you've uh, touched a nation of listeners here on Champs and Chums with your uh, your, your fine words. Um, and uh, I'd now like to turn the... Uh, Next part of the interview, the final parts of the interview, over to my chum, Ashton. Fern, what does Remembrance Day mean to you? Oh, wow. Remembrance Day is the most important day of the year for me. Um, so I've actually two very important days. That's one. and that, uh, To remember. Remember our, our brothers and sisters who have fallen, who have done the ultimate for their country. And that includes friends of mine that I've known who were killed overseas. And I remember them fondly that day. Um, so, it's, 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 again, uh, I make sure that when I go into school, talk to kids about the poppy, what's, what symbol, uh, what's it all about? Why do you wear the poppy? And why should you wear it proudly? The other day that's really important to me is August 9th. August 9th is Peacekeeper's Day. Peacekeeper's Day is like November 11th. And it's not a holiday, but it's probably the second biggest event that we have in the area up in the Angus uh, Peacekeepers Park. We have a beautiful park that we put together, and it has a name 
Yeah, the big wall has the name of uh, all our peacekeepers, 118 peacekeepers killed on missions across the world from 1950, uh, sorry, 1947 on, as well as all 158 killed in Afghanistan and the three RCMP officers who lost their lives in Haiti. Um, and a small representation of the uh, Korea veterans as well who were killed after the armistice was signed. So it's all about them. I happen to be the president of the Peacekeeping Association for Central Ontario chapter. So that's my baby. I love that thing. Um, so those are the two most important days, and they both mean a lot to me. And uh, I wear the poppy, by the way, year-round. Um, I, I don't. I know the rules say you're not supposed to. You, you should be taking them off on the, after the parade and put it on. The side. I wear it year-round, and to me, it's uh, it's a remembrance every day. So I hope that answers your question. Fern, what advice do you have for young kids looking to become a member of the Canadian military? Oh, go for it. Um, you know, check it out first. Make sure it's what you want. Like, if you can start off with a cadet, go with a cadet. Start off with the reserves and check to see what it's like. Um, like, do your homework. Look into it. Make sure it's what you want. It's a wonderful, wonderful career. And uh, I would recommend anyone who had any kind of ambition to go through it, do it. Absolutely do it. Don't, don't hesitate. Um, I would, like I said, I would do it all over again if I could. And um, it's the best, as far as I'm concerned, it's, uh, we had the best military in the world. So we'll go with that. What an outstanding way to end our best of segment here on episode 39. That is uh, C.D. Fernand Typher, a veteran of the Canadian military who's joined us on the show. Uh, Fern, on behalf of Ashton and I, uh, want to thank you so much. It's been an honor and a privilege to have you on uh, episode 39 this best of segment uh, you are truly best of um, from the beginning to the middle to the end of this interview you've um, you've provided education uh, insights and above all inspiration for uh, our two your, your co-hosts here and our, our listeners so want to thank you so much for joining us on the show and uh, just before we conclude I'd love to have my uh, co-host my forever chum Ashton say a few words to you well, Fern, thank you for coming on the show. It's been an honor having you on. And uh, November 11th is a day to remember all the men and women who put their lives out for this country. And um, thanking them uh, for their service. I want to thank you for your service that you've done for this country. Uh when I saw the picture of you with all those medals on your chest, I knew you put it you put your all out there and you were proud to serve our country so fern thank you for coming on the show thank you so much for having me it's been an honor for me as well great stuff ashton you're gonna take us to break on episode 39 this ends our father-son best of segment more father-son fun talk coming up you're listening to the champs and chums podcast Welcome back to Champs and Chums. Happy November, everybody. We hope you're doing well. It's episode 39 here. Uh, it's Anthony and Ashton, your co-hosts. So glad that you're with us here on our 39th episode of Father-Son Fun Talk. And Ashton, it's now time for one of our staple segments. That's right, everybody. It's our All-Pro Go segment, which is a did-you-know sports spotlight. So this is where my chum Ashton is going to share with you, our listeners, 
a fun activity uh, with a sports twist to it. So Ashton, what do we have on the docket uh, this month? We have a slam dunk contest. Wow, so you're going to tell fans a bit more. The All-Pro Go Spotlight is going to be the NBA slam dunk contest? Yes. All right, that's amazing. Well, um, well, let's set the stage here a little bit. The reason why I think we were both thinking of that, we've been at the Raptors 905 games, and there's some boys that have been throwing it down there, I tell you, Ashton. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty accurate. It's accurate, and we're putting it in focus right now. Take it away, son. The NBA Slam Dunk Contest, officially known as the AT&T Slam Dunk, is an annual National Basketball Association competition held during the NBA All-Star Weekend. Yeah, usually in February, Ashton, I think it happens, right? Yeah. Yeah, February weekend, yep. Sports Illustrated wrote the dunk contest was the best halftime invention since the bathroom. Well, I don't know about that, but I'll, you know what? Listen, if there's a publication with great authority, I'll take it with Sports Illustrated. I've read it for years. Okay, so the contest was conceived of and started by the American Basketball Association for its 1976 ABA All-Star Game in Denver. The winner was Julie Serving of the New York Nets. As a result of the ABA-NBA merge later that year, the contest moved to the NBA for the 1976-1977 season. Well, and I didn't know that. So the first event was 1976. Uh, I'll do the math here. Let me see. Your dad was three years old. You you fans can figure out then uh, how old I am. But uh, three years old, Dr. J, Julius Irving for the New York Nets. He was actually the first winner. Wow. Amazing. Keep going, son. Let's wind it, uh, wind it up here. There was not another slam dunk contest at the professional level until 1984. The contest has, has adopted several formats over the years, including uh, until 2004 14. Uh, and two, 2014, the use of fan voting via text messaging to determine the winner of the final round. The current champion of the slam dunk contest is Obi Toppin of the New York Knicks. Obi Toppin. We got to get him on the show, Ashton. Obi Toppin. Of the New York Knicks. There you go, everybody. That's the all-pro go. That is slam dunk. And Ashton, I mean, I'd be remiss if I, I can't sort of think, if I uh, if we were not given the chance to think back and reflect on some of the biggest of biggest slam dunks that we've seen over our career, whether we witnessed it on television, on YouTube, or even live. Uh, what were some of the big ones that you've thought of when it comes to slam dunks? It doesn't even need to be the contest. Any big dunks? Hmm. I'd say the Vince Carter one. Oh, yes. I mean, how can we forget everybody? All you listeners would remember in 2000 when uh, Vince Carter on All-Star Weekend, uh, I believe it was in Oakland, California, he electrified. He electrified the audience, Ashton, in a, in some real good showmanship with his cousin and teammate Tracy McGrady. Uh, what were some of the dunks? Can you describe it for the fans? Well... It was like a windmill dunk just into the net. Like, he was making every dunk that he, he shot. And, I mean, I remember those, um, you know, they always have the, the celebrity judges. Like, guys like Shaq was a judge. And, 
they were just all blown away. And Shaq I'm... was sitting on the sidelines with a huge camera. Oh, that's right. That's when video cameras and camcorders were a big thing back in the 2000s, of course. Um, but I, I mean, um, I, I still remember the first dunk by Vince Carter. It was a windmill dunk. He got a 50, Ashton. And I mean, Kenny Smith got out of his chair and he declared on national television, he said, it's over, everybody. It's over. Ashton, do you remember that? Yes, I do. I, I just saw the video uh, just before we started recording and uh, I, I saw it. It was, uh, there were some amazing dunks. Well, okay, so uh, fans, I, I'm going to have to recap this 2000 because it's kind of like a who's who. Well, who Carter beat, beat out in that slam dunk competition. But Vince Carter finished on top by scoring 100 points. Steve Francis. You remember Steve Francis, everybody? Um, I believe he was drafted by the Vancouver Grizzlies and he gave him the shaft and he went over to Houston. He demanded a trade. Uh, he finished second. Tracy McGrady, the Raptor, finished third. Um, who went on to some amazing things in the NBA. But Ashton, look at the man who finished just up from the bottom. Jerry Stackhouse of the Detroit Pistons. You know why that's important? Why? Because when the Raptors 905 won the, the, the G League Championship in 2017, who was the coach of the, Toronto, of the Raptors 905? Jerry Stackhouse. Jerry Stackhouse. Not in the form of a question, Ashton. That's the right answer. Jerry Stackhouse. Um, anyways, um, I, I, I'm getting real uh, excited thinking about that because what it could mean for Raptors 905 this season. But let's come back to the dunk. Because, you know, I mean, I've been at some Raptors game over my time. Uh, I've really enjoyed with you. We've enjoyed together Raptors 905. This wasn't a slam dunk contest, but it was a slam of the year, Ashton. Do you remember the, the moment, the game that I'm speaking of? Mm, I think I know His, what you mean. Okay. He, what, he, one of the players, I, I can't remember who, they dunked on another player and they he stood over got him. it he stood on top of him and that guy's name ashton was mr paul watson jr oh yeah paul watson paul watson jr the monday night they played i believe it was the college park or erie bayhawks and i never seen a a, a, a throwdown like that the man the man slammed it through the net the net shook he came down with his must have been size 17 shoes ashton he put his foot on the man and he looked like the big boss man that was paul watson jr you remember that yes i do <laughs> i tell you i'm getting excited thinking about that because ashton and i from where we're seated we got a great vantage point of, of paul what's he doing now what's paul watson doing now ashton I'm not sure. I think he's uh, moved on to maybe a different league or maybe he's still in the G League or, well, he's, or he's got time in the NBA. Hey, hey Ashton, he's a great, he was a great player, but if he can dine out in one thing, it was that dunk on that Monday night at the Paramount Fine Food Center. He electrified the crowd. He made them roar. And so did we. 
everybody with this all pro go and i'd like to tell you ashton and fans you're listening to episode 39 of the champs and chums podcast father son fun talk you're listening to episode 39 of the champs and chums podcast and ashton it's now time for our signature segment that's right everybody it's our champs and chums segment where we salute our stars on and off the field and ashton um in this month this one is going to take on an extra extra special one uh ashton and i had a chance as we always do before the show to uh, talk through how we want to present every episode to you and this one was unanimous, right, Ashton? Yes. This one was um, all around that we wanted to take this opportunity to salute our champs and chums to this of this episode to all the wonderful men and women, the veterans and soldiers, those who currently serve, those who served, and those sadly and unfortunately may have passed on for the greater good of the rights and freedoms that we so enjoy in a, in a, in a beautiful country like Canada. So um, we would like everybody uh, in the most patriotic way to share our clean sweep and let you know that our champs and chums for this episode is veterans and soldiers. So Ashton, with that, I'd love you to share maybe some of your thoughts you know, we had the opportunity earlier in the show, everybody, you heard an amazing interview with a veteran, someone who served this country for 25 years. Thanks to Fer Fernand Typher for joining us. We've had previous members of the Canadian military who's, who are serving currently. But what do you want to say to anybody that has proudly put on the uniform for this country? Well, I mean, I want to thank uh, anyone uh, who is Canadian, who has decided to put on the, uh, the armed forces, uh, uniform and, uh, go s uh, serve for our country. Um, I mean, w like World War One and World War Two. you know, they weren't the best times. They, they could have been, they could have been stopped, but... Our Canadian men and women uh, were so tough out there, and they pushed through every barrier, every uh, everything that's been thrown at them, and they've worked hard. They've uh, advanced uh, as well. Uh, they've probably advanced many times, um, uh, like in in war and um i really want to thank all all canadians who have decided you know what i want to do something for this country i want to put on a uh canadian armed forces uniform and go serve my country so thank you to all canadians who have put on the uniform, and proudly served our country. 
Ashton, some uh, beautiful words in a, in a beautiful month. And, and let's remember, everybody, that when we say remember this month, yes, of course, it takes on perhaps a bigger spotlight. But as, as Fernand Typher shared with you, he told us, Ashton, and you can listen to it on, on, on his wonderful interview, Remembrance Day is every day for him. He puts the poppy on every day, and he knows that there's, there's certain um, protocols that say you shouldn't be wearing it every day, but he proudly does. This is a man that served this country for 25 years, everybody. He gave his heart, his soul, his skill, his talents to do some amazing things. And he joins a long line of men and women who have done this, who continue to do this. You know, Ashton, I'm hearing you wax poetic about um, how, uh, how proud you are and how uh, grateful you are for, for what these people have done. Um, it reminds me of our visit back during March break when we went to the Canadian War Museum out in Ottawa. I mean, why don't you describe uh, for the fans some of the, the wonderful displays, images, videos, exhibits, uh, artifacts, things that, that made you think about war and maybe appreciate um, all the great things you just said about the people. Well, I I liked seeing those uh, planes that they flew and the food trucks that um, the uh, that the uh, veterans uh, would have to would have to uh, cook and uh, they would they would eat their meals and um, it was a really amazing experience seeing just all those like army like cars and vehicles it was really cool uh and um i seem to remember too like you and your your uh your chum uh, kyle was you went through it you went through this um i guess it was a, a simulation of the trenches oh yes 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 to try to, why don't you describe that and, and i, I oh, i'll add something at the end there it's so scary it's 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 really scary because for people in war when it's night you never know when you're opposing like country will come and just invade your trenches enemy territory i enemy, guess as they yes. would call it right we kind of use that 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 um term loosely in sports you know, but it, it, it's real life, what you just spoke about. And, you know, I, I know that you and Kyle both had some trepidation. You were kind of nervous to go through it. But I guess my point is this. You go through and you, you think that a Canadian soldier, the ones that you just spoke of, who would put on the uniform and would fight for our country and would go into the trenches, they have no choice. They have to show courage. They have to do this. They want to do this. They believe they can do this, Ashton. So it's really amazing, and it's it's quite a, a beautiful way to come back to the Champs and Chums segment where we did a patriotic sweep and saying one thing to the wonderful men and women who have served our country, who continue to serve our country. On behalf of your Champs and Chums, two words. Thank you. Ashton... This has been a wonderful way to remember here this month. And fans, we've got a little bit more show to come. 
but you're listening to a special episode, episode 39 of the Champs and Chums podcast. Welcome back to Champs and Chums. It's episode 39, and Ashen, episode 39 is coming to a close. What an amazing show it's been, our special Remembrance Day month episode here in November. And it doesn't matter what month it is, though, Ashton, because I always take this time near the end of the show to ask you, what did you learn today? Well, I learned from uh, Fern that Remembrance Day should be every day well you're right he did come up with that very emphatic uh response to our answer when you asked him actually what does remembrance day mean to him and he was very quick to reply that um it wasn't just a day for him it was something that he thinks about every day and for a man that served the country for 25 years in the high-ranking roles that he did and to put the uniform on with such um Uh, bravery, courage, uh, determination, pride, and and joy. Um, I can can definitely understand his answer that he gave you. So that was a really, really amazing interview from a a veteran, someone that's seen a lot, done a lot, done a lot of amazing things to support this country and continues to do that, Ashton. I mean, we must say, I mean, uh, he still continues to be award-winning. The Government of Canada just provided him, on the very day of the time of the recording we had with him, another honour for what he's done. He continues to volunteer uh, as an executive member in the Legion up in Barrie, and uh, we're so great to have him on the program. Well, what else did you learn? Well, I learned that Turk Broda fought in World War Two. Well, you know, that one slipped on me as well, too. I mean, uh, one of the great Leaf goalies, he was the first NHL goaltender to reach 300 wins. Um, Yeah, you kind of have to place yourself and think when these these great stars of the NHL at that time, in the 40s, still had their duty and responsibility that if they were enlisted, if they were counted on by their team. Now, when I say team, I'm not talking the Toronto Maple Leafs. If they're... They're, they're enlisted by their team Canada, then they would have to serve. So yeah, that was a great um, learning for me too as well. What else? Well, I learned that um, David uh, Robinson's passion to get into the uh, U.S. Navy was because of his dad. Well, that was an amazing insight for me as well too. You know what? That's the beautiful thing about sports, everybody. When you read about either a personality, an athlete, an administrator, a coach, a Hall of Famer, uh, an up-and-comer, a journey, a journeyman, if you will. Uh, if you read more about the great game, you learn more. And uh, yeah, I didn't know that, Ashton, about one of the greatest NBA players, David Robinson, his dad. Uh, was um, was a military member, which probably inspired him to do that. Did he play basketball, David Robinson's dad? I'm not sure. It doesn't say he played base, uh, basketball. Oh, good stuff. Well, we learned a lot on this episode. It's been a very special one, one to remember, everybody. And uh, Ashton, uh, at this time of the show, we always want to make sure we give our th- shout-outs and thanks to people. Who do we want to thank for episode 39? We want to thank the Power Girls and Uncle Dennis who helped produce the show. Shout out to the Power Girls and Uncle Dennis, some founding members of Champs and Chums. Thank you so much for all your love and support of this uh, great passion project. And uh, 
We want to take this opportunity as well to thank a veteran. The first time ever on Champs and Chums, we had the uh, the pleasure and the honor to speak to uh, a Canadian military veteran, and that was uh, Fernand Typher, C.D. Fernand Typher, joining us on the show. Thank you so much to him for uh, for joining us, and thanks as well too to uh, the great folks at the Canadian Armed Forces. Uh, We've been building up a pretty good chum ship, if you will, with them. They're great people, and it's so great to have uh, their support of of the show. Uh, Ashton, where can fans um, uh, check out the podcast? Well, they can check out our podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Podbean, CastBox, and Amazon Music. That's right. I was just going to mention that we are now on Amazon Music, everybody, Champs and Chums. And you can also catch us on social. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, at Champs and Chums, our website, champsandchums.com. Ashton, this is going to be the most remarkable, the most fist bump that we will ever remember. It's been a wonderful show, everybody. And Ashton, as we always say, cheers to Champs. Cheers to chums and cheers to an all-star day. Thanks for listening.